as well. I want to start, uh, our theme today is on hope and I want to tell you a story about something that happened way back when I was at intermediate school. My brother, my older brother, was a year ahead of me and he was in the third form and he had started going to Boys Brigade. And at Boys Brigade you do certificates and badges and he had just started doing his expedition certificate, which is all about tramping and bushcraft. And he'd gone off with the rest of the guys in his group into the Silver Peaks just out of Dunedin. And they'd gone and they'd stayed in Green Hut. And he came back and he was really excited about tramping and it was the school holidays and he said, look, you and I, we should go tramping and we could go to Green Hut. And so we borrowed a pack and a sleeping bag and some old boots and away we went. And we got into this green hut in the Silver Peaks behind Dunedin. And uh, then uh, we were talking to some guys in the hut and they said, oh, look, you can go to the next hut, which is called Jubilee Hut. But to get to Jubilee Hut, you had to go down the Devil's Staircase. And so we thought, well, this is exciting, let's go and do it. And away we went, but while we were on that trip, the weather closed in. And we had to climb back up the Devil's Staircase to get to Green Hut, and we were in a, a violent hailstorm, and it was extremely cold. And we got to the top, and we were really tired. And I said to my brother, look, I've had it, you know, I'm tired, I don't have enough energy to get back to... Let's just shelter in these rocks over here and then when the, weather, uh, calls, when the weather gets better, we'll carry on. And he says, no. He says, the first thing I learned in my expedition class was that when you're in a storm and you get wet and you get cold, you keep going until you reach shelter because if you stop, your body will cool down and you'll get hypothermia. And he was right. And it was getting dark at that point. And if we hadn't stopped, if we had stopped then and there, we probably wouldn't have got going again and we would have got so cold uh, that we wouldn't have seen out the night. In actual fact, we got to the hut and the next morning the hut was surrounded by snow. So that was a lesson that I learnt at that point. But the key point of the lesson that we have to have hope even when situations don't go the way we want. That it's our hope that will get us through a difficult situation. Hope that we have the energy to continue tramping, walking, to get to that place of safety. Now there's an amazing story about hope and distress in Acts chapter 27, and it's about when Paul, the Apostle Paul, was shipwrecked. Let's, let me read it to you. It says, The next day, as gale-forced winds, force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even threw out the ship's equipment and anything else that they could lay their hands on. The terrible storm raged unabated for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. 
No one had eaten for a long time. You don't eat in those circumstances because what goes down comes up just as quickly. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left fair havens. You would have avoided all this injury and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. And then that boat, it was shipwrecked off the island of Malta, but everyone got ashore and was saved. Amazing story. I know we've got a few sailors in our congregation, and you could probably tell us a few good stories of times that you capsized out there on the lake when you've been racing and trying to get ahead of people. Our family have got a, a holiday house at Pukahina Beach. And years ago, uh, we had an old, well, we still have it, an old 12-foot um, aluminium dinghy. And when the water is very, very calm, you can launch it from the beach. And you can put a motor on the back or you can row out beyond the, the waves and, and you can fish. And you're more likely to catch fish further offshore um, where there's a bit of a reef and some shellfish beds. And, uh, but one day, I, it was a calm day, and I went out with, with a friend. And we're just rowing out. We get out there. We're catching fish. And then we notice that the winds come up, the tides come in, and instead of it being calm, it's actually really quite choppy. And if you've tried sort of coming into shore in a kayak, you know that to stay in your kayak, you've got to keep your kayak going straight all the time. That if you get side on to the waves, the wave's going to tip you over and you're going to fall out. In a rowboat, it's even more difficult. And so my friend decided that he was going to row and we're waiting at this place where these waves are breaking and we've got to pick the right wave to ride in. And we're waiting and waiting, and then we see a smaller wave, and we think, this is it. And, and, and so Neil starts rowing to sort of get up speed so the wave will catch us up, and, and he'll keep going straight into shore, and we'll get out of the boat without spilling all our fishing gear and our fish and everything like that. But suddenly, instead of going straight, he's getting off course. And I'm sitting in the back of the boat and I can see this massive wave bearing down on us. And I knew what was going to happen. And so in situations like that, you have three options. There's either flight, there's fight, or there's freeze. And I decided on flight. I bailed. I jumped out of the boat. And then I saw this boat, this wave, pick up this boat and this boat skidded it in, side on on this wave and then over it went. And I'm sort of trying to get to shore and I'm looking for my mate and I can't see him anywhere. 
And here's the boat lying upside down just beyond the breaker zone. So I get to the boat, lift up the boat, he's underneath it. <laughs> Good job I bailed. I probably sailed his life, saved his life. But the fact is that we can go through different situations in life. And when we come through the other end, we can, we can laugh about it, we can tell stories about it. Have you been in a situation where you felt there was no hope? Because in verse 20 of our reading, Paul tells us that all hope was gone. Have you been in a situation where all hope was gone? Hope is the one thing that we as believers in Jesus Christ depend upon. God desires to use our lives to achieve his purposes. And in Romans 8 verse 28 it tells us that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If we're walking with God, if we're called by God, even when difficult times come our way, we can have hope beyond that immediate situation. We can trust God to see us through. But even if something goes desperately wrong and we lose our lives, our real hope is in heaven with God, eternity with the Lord. And in Romans 15 verse 13, Paul says, so I pray that God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So no matter what you're going through, hang on to hope. Be happy and full of peace as you believe in him. Because without hope, it's very easy to become discouraged. With God, there's hope that good will come out of even the most difficult circumstances. There's people in this congregation who are fighting ill health. I was talking to a, a doctor who comes to our um, Wednesday service who is battling death at the moment. And he, he says, I've got a couple of books that I want to finish writing before this life ends. I've got one of them that's I've put into a Kindle format. And it's that hope. There's a book written by a guy called David Young. And David Young is a pastor and a writer and he has got terminal cancer. But his doctor cannot believe that he's still alive. And the reason he says that he's still alive is because God's given him books that he needs to write. And he's written this book on hope the Anchor of the Soul, a very, very powerful book that you can buy on Kindle. It was actually free a few weeks ago. And so people can reach out to God in their difficulty and in their circumstances. We have Yvonne Webb with us this morning who is battling cancer. And a few months ago, she was in Topol Hospital and her internal organs were shutting down. And the family were called in to say goodbye. And I went in there expecting to pray a prayer of release, where you release someone into the hands of Jesus. But as I'm praying for her, a voice in my spirit said, 
don't pray that prayer. Pray for her healing. And three years ago, she was told that she would have one more Christmas. She's just celebrated her third Christmas. And even though she's got this illness, she's hanging on to life. She's positive and robust, and God is preserving her life because he knows the length of our days. And there's another verse that I want to share with you from Psalm 138, verses 7 and 8. And this is a verse that has been an encouragement to this author, David Young. It says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And this is the promise that he's claiming for his life. He says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. He's saying that he's still alive because God still has work for him to do. But ultimately, when this life ends, he's going to be in heaven with God for eternity. And that's the greater hope. It's a terrible thing to lose all hope to have no way out, to have nothing to look forward to. In the dark storms of life, we can say just like Paul did, I believe it will be as God said it will be. My hope is in the Lord. Many of you will have heard about C.D. Studd, who was a missionary to China. And he had also played cricket for England. And he was from a very wealthy family. And so when he gave up fame and fortune to go to China to be a missionary, people thought he was mad. But he was a very effective missionary. And after years in China, they came back to England, and then him and his wife, Priscilla, felt that God was calling them to Africa. But then after a while, they felt that C.T. Studd should go to Africa, but Priscilla should stay at home, look after the children. <laughs> and the night before he was to leave, or two nights before he was to leave, she cried all night. She thought she couldn't conceptualise being without this husband that she absolutely loved, that they'd done all these things together with. And then God gave her a verse. And that verse was, well, it was Psalm 34. And so she starts reading Psalm 34, and it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. She thinks, gosh, even though I don't feel very happy about this, God wants me to bless him at this time. And she interpreted bless the Lord at all times to mean I will make the Lord happy now. And so she started to praise God and to worship God. And then she got to verse 4 and it said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And suddenly she had this revelation. And instead of feeling hopeless and depressed and alone, she had a whole new way of thinking about her situation. And so she said, I suddenly felt 
every fear was gone. All my fears, all my troubles, all that left alone feeling was going to mean. All the fears of malarial fever that she could have got in Africa and the poisoned arrows of the savages, and I went to bed rejoicing. So instead of focusing on the hopelessness of being separated from her husband, she suddenly thought, gosh, I'm, ha I'm glad I'm not going to Africa with poisonous arrows and malaria and all those things. And so she stayed at home. But sometimes our situation can change in a moment. God gives us a revelation. We see things from a different perspective. Instead of fighting God and resisting God, we go with God and he helps us through our circumstances. Many believers lose their hope through a lack of confidence in God. This can come through that feeling that God's let us down. Maybe things that we've been praying for, our prayers have not been answered. Or disappointment through something that we never expected. We're suffering through a difficult marriage or sickness. And those sort of things can cause our heart to draw back from the Lord at the time when we need him the most. So God desires that we restore our confidence in him. We also can endeavour to bless the Lord at all times. Gratitude, thanksgiving, opens the door to the good stuff, the presence of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And so God desires that we restore our confidence in him. What good things does God have for you in the year ahead? What does he have for us as a church? I'm really excited about this year. I think we've got a really solid foundation in this church and God is leading us into a really special time this year as in unity we follow him together. Let's draw on the life of God. If you're struggling through life, get involved in something that's fresh and alive. Don't be worried and anxious in those difficult times. Expect to be fruitful and productive. Things can change very quickly. As most of our congregation know that on a, uh, every second Sunday night, we have a program called Revive. And it starts at seven and it runs for an hour and it's for people that want a bit more, people that want to move in, in the Holy Spirit. And in our last revived session for the year, while we were having the worship time, I had a vision. And a, few, a couple of years ago, a young woman had nearly drowned in the Waikato River just down by Cherry Island. She was swimming there and she got caught by the current and she was being swept down the river and she couldn't swim. But someone came down on a flotation device and managed to get her to shore. And so we're having this worship time and in this worship time, I can see someone struggling and reaching out to me and I'm reaching out to that person, but I'm standing on a rock, I'm standing on the bank and I'm trying to grab this person by the hand. 
And so after the worship time, when we had the meeting, I shared the vision with the group. And then at the end of the time, 8 o'clock, when people were going, I said, look, if there is someone in our meeting tonight that that vision relates to, let me know, and I'd like to pray for you. And a young woman that was there said, that's me. And so we prayed for her. She shared how that she had been abused as a, a teenager and that when she went to people for, for help, that they blamed her for what had happened. You shouldn't have been there at that time. And so she had unforgiveness towards certain people and she'd allowed all this despondency and depression. She doesn't live in Topol, so I can tell you the story, and she's doing really well at the moment. And so we prayed against all the bad stuff. She'd tried to take her life on three different occasions. She'd been seeing a psychologist for years. And so, as, so we said, look, you have to forgive those people that have hurt you, that have wounded you. She says, I'm ready to do that. She forgave those people. And then we started to pray against the negative stuff. And, and she was sobbing and healing as, and, and heaving as all these negative things came out of her. Despondency, depression, hopelessness, resentment, suicide. We prayed against all those things. And then we prayed for her infilling of the Holy Spirit and that the good stuff, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will come into her life. God's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And she, she said that she hadn't um, been able to sleep at night because every time she went to bed, she thought about these negative things and she had nightmares. She went home that night and she had a wonderful sleep. The following night, she slept as well. And so she's being discipled in her hometown and she's doing well. But here's a person that's tried to take their own life. Life is hopeless. They're going in a direction that is a dead end. And suddenly, Jesus steps into their life and brings change and transformation. And he can do that for anyone. John 1 verse 12 tells us, that to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You know how you've got maternal and paternal instincts towards your, parent, your, your children? And you love your children. And you don't want anything harmful to happen to your children. That's how God feels about you. He wants to rescue you, but you've got to ask him. Jesus died for our sins. And through his death and resurrection, he has broken the power of sin and death. Those things that bring separation from God that lead to hopelessness. And so our relationship with God has been restored through Jesus Christ. Just imagine how the disciples felt when Jesus was crucified. The situation felt hopeless. But God's plan was that the whole world would receive salvation through him. Because Jesus conquered death, so also can we. And God is 
calling people home to him today. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. The fact that Jesus survived the grave, that he died and came alive again, is confirmation that we also can survive death, that when this life ends, we will be resurrected into a new life in Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20, which is the verse that Helen used earlier on. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for our lives. You know, if you, if you were in a storm, you would try to find a bay where there's sheltered water and you would put your anchor down so that your boat would be secure and the wind wouldn't be able to wash it onto the rocks. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus is a, is a shelter and he's strong. We can anchor our soul in him where it is safe and secure. And he goes through the curtain of the heavenly temple into the inner sanctuary, which was where the blood sacrifice used to be taken. But Jesus became the blood sacrifice. He shared his blood. Rather than killing a sheep or a lamb and sprinkling that blood in the holy place, Jesus died and shared his blood as an etern a single eternal sacrifice for the sins of the world. And so on our behalf, Jesus has gone there before us and has become a high priest forever. Today, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. And so true hope reaches beyond this life. The only place to anchor our lives is in heaven. It's not in the housing market, the stock market, our friends, our dreams and ambitions. When we consistently live in fear of lack, we're not trusting God. Have you got a fear of, of lack, of things not going the way you want? Is that fear affecting your life? If it is, you can waste a lot of your, your time. You can overcompensate. Jesus has gone before us. He is the hope that takes us beyond physical death. And so this morning we're going to take communion together. And so let's thank Jesus for sharing his body and blood on the cross for us. Let's accept his love and forgiveness towards us. Let's restore our relationship with him at the start of this new year and restore our relationship with others. This girl that we prayed for at Revive, the reason so much dark stuff was able to get into her was because she had not forgiven people. And in the Lord's Prayer it says, Forgive us as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It says in Matthew 18 that if we who God has forgiven $10 million cannot forgive our brother the $20 he owes us, we will be handed over to the tormentors. Release people. Release yourself from that torment.
that is stifling your life and making you depressed. So accept God's love and forgiveness. Restore those relationships. Repent of not trusting God as the good shepherd of your life who desires to lead you through the difficulties of life. And so enter into this new year full of God's love, his acceptance, his forgiveness, and his hope. Hope for an exciting future as we journey together. Let's pray. Father, we know that a new year is a time when people make New Year's resolutions. But Lord, we only need to make one. And that is that we will trust you throughout the circumstances of our lives. That you will be our anchor in the, in the storm. That you will lift us up out of the miry clay. That you will set our feet upon a rock where we can stand with you that you are the good shepherd who gave your life for the sheep, who leads your sheep beside the still waters and into green pastures and restores our soul. Lord, we ask that you restore our souls this morning, our emotions. Lord, we want to push that default setting. We want to go back to the place where you wanted to be when you created us. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to be tapping into your strength, your power, your authority. We want to hear your voice. Lord, as we take the bread and the wine this morning, may we recommit our lives to you. Lord, help us to clear out the baggage and to trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.